This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Good morning, traders and investors. Are you guys ready for another round of pre-market prep where you get all the information you need to get ready for your trading day? Let's talk about what we got tonight. We'll talk about, of course, the overnight action um, healthy pullback. Now what? We'll take a look at Rivian's earnings. AMC, apes, back at it. China stocks delisting. Apple shares up on supply news. We'll take a look at where does the growth trade go from here. Talk a little bit about some economic data going to be coming out today. A survey, University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment. And we got our guest, Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist at Carson Group. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny everything you need to start your trading day. Yes, yes, and I will let you guys know in the chat they talked about Spencer. All we get is his voice. His voice is slowly going to get out of the intro. I've been working on a new one, so look forward to getting that update. Now let's bring on Joel Alcon and Dennis Dick. And before we get into today's uh, futures action, Joel, you have a special day today. What do you got going on later today? You got it, man. And I'll, I'll grab it, uh, the... Um the uh, website uh, or the link uh, at 2.30 p.m. today, uh, going on uh, premarketprep.com with Gene Munster. And we're going to talk about Q2 earnings. I uh, got some good questions about Apple. And um, we're not going to talk about Q3 or Q4. We're going to talk about 2023. I'm just taking a, a little guess here, but I don't know if Gene's uh, super bullish um, going into the end of the year. And I think he's looking through 2023. So I'll run down the futures and then I'll put that link in there. That'll be uh, at 2.30, come one, come all. Uh, big day in the market, uh, at least to see if we can just hold up here after the big rally. Uh, nice rally overnight, up 15 handles at uh, 42.25. Uh, crude up and down again, down today, uh, down a buck 37, 92.97. Gold in the red by 550, clinging to 1800 at 1801.70. Silver down about a dime at 20,250 or 20.255. Bitcoin down 565, 23.680 after uh, making a new high for the rebound yesterday. And Ethereum futures uh, are down $31 at 1873. Uh, Triple D, you know, we talk about, you know, turns in the market, right? And that's what, you know, uh, that's what we try and identify here for our listeners as well for ourselves. Uh, 
did we get a turn yesterday? That that think, sixty point sell off. What do you think? I think so. I think we did. Um, the reason, you know, you can look at the S and P and you say, oh, you know, S and P still held up well and it's coming back here this morning. But you got to look under the hood. You had a lot of those names that have been leading they, everything from the arc and look at ARKK itself. We opened up, we ran bull trap there from yesterday on the follow through and then the old rug pull. And we obviously gave back significant amount, but lots of other stocks like they've been jumping in all FOMO, everything high risk Coinbase opened up right at the high, pretty much Joel. They pulled that thing down 15 points from the high. The thing fell 15% intraday. That is an ugly chart. That is a key reversal. They call that on the charts. If you look at that top, right? So I don't know. I feel like Yesterday was a turning point. I feel like this is the snapback. People are like, oh, buy the dip. We got a dip. Let's go in there. Buy the dip. I feel like it's all just setting up well. I would sell into the rally today. They already are selling into today's rally because we were up substantially more here about two hours ago. Um, so we've started to leak. And obviously, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I've been on the little bear train here for about a week now, week and a half. Um, definitely, you know, I had the bull for the one day, which was right because I thought the CPI was going to be late. But it all just sets up like fairly well so and it's been trading fairly well too so i feel like there is an eventual rug pull here going to happen i feel like we're not v bottoming again i was tweeting out i said it yesterday if you're buying stocks here you're calling a v bottom because we're just got half the money back so you know i've always said you know we'll teach us in the swing trading course you know stocks going in waves so you know you you wave down hard and you wave back up now if you think about We've, wave is coming all the way back. We're going to the highs. I just don't see the catalyst to get us there. Um, and you know, and anything can happen. Maybe things change. Maybe information changes. We change our opinion on the show. But I just don't see the catalyst to have new all-time highs. One, even though inflation was flat month over month, we're still cooking pretty high. Rates aren't coming down anytime soon. And we know it takes time. I mean, the Fed is trying to slow demand. Well, we aren't really even seeing that much demand slowing yet. So don't just think the Fed is like, oh, we're good. We're not good yet. It's not good. We're not at 2% inflation. We're at 8.5% year over year. We're not good. So I just can't see the Fed. Just they Maybe they don't raise and have an emergency meeting like Kramer was saying, but they're going up in September. They're going higher. Eventually, the consumer starts to get strapped, and eventually, the consumer starts to spend less money. And to top it all off, to, to Cameron's point yesterday, Stocks are not cheap. Yes, I know everybody thinks, oh, look at where they were. They're so cheap. They're not cheap. Apple. Let's go into Apple here right now. And then obviously I'll let you guys talk. It's been a run on sentence for three minutes. But <laughs> Apple is trading 25 times earnings. They're 27. I, where is it, Mitch? It's 25 or 27 times earnings. Let me try to get an update. Historically, and this is a, if you've started trading the last couple of years, you might not realize. Historically, Apple has traded with under a market multiple because it's more of a cash cow with the iPhones. You know, there isn't that huge growth engine there anymore. A lot For years, Apple was trading at only 12 times earnings and 11 times earnings. And we're like, well, you know, eventually the market's going to give it some love. And they did. But Apple's been given all that love. It's why I've hedged my entire Apple position. You know, I've been long Apple for seven or eight, maybe 10 years. I've hedged the entire thing. I hedged early, but, you know, and it's continued to run here. But I think Apple at these prices is a huge gift. It was 130. We're not far from all-time highs, which is absurd in the economic environment that we are going into. 
Um, Forward I think PE it's a gift up here. I would not be buying Apple. It's 26 0.17 here. It's 26 times earnings, and they're not really growing earnings. And earnings were fluffed up from COVID on a lot of these companies as well. There's so many reasons not to own stocks here. I mean, as much as there was reasons, and I got bullish five, six weeks ago as a trader, very bullish because everything was just so massively oversold. Everything just got overbought on a short-term basis. Everything's got overbought. Now, again, I always say it. I'm early, but I'm usually right. So not always right, but I'm usually right. And I'm usually early. So I'm early again. I'm early here. But I think eventually I'm going to be happy that I've raised some cash. Uh, well, a couple things here. Uh, one with the Apple came out with some good news today, right? And they said, hey, to their suppliers, at least make as many uh, phones as last year. So that that's some good news. Uh the, it's well over the 50%. And I just want to talk about Apple in particular. It, no topping. I mean, 170 uh, was your high here before you fell off a cliff. So you can look at this uh, 170 here and use that as a bogey for Apple because it, it, you know, it likes the, the whole and the half numbers. Well, that was actually 171.53. Yesterday's high, 170.99. So yet you have a sell zone from the day. Uh, it's a couple points away. So I think for another leg up in Apple, which is just like I tried to draw a trend line in here and I couldn't really get the, the right. That's a steep trend line. But keep an eye on the high close of the move, as always. And that came, I believe, yesterday. And then uh, relating it to the S&P, let's see, high close of the move, 169.24. So that's our key number. Uh, the S&P. Man, we are trading within five points of the 50% retracement. It's actually 42.20 and a quarter. So if we're going to stall, if this is the area where the bears are going to reassume control, then that, that 42.60 high from yesterday just kind of seems a long way. I mean, I, I thought we might get a little pop overnight, but I'm like, we, we can't make it back up to 42.60, pre-market high 37.50. So market, if we could provide a support base over 4,200 and take out 42.60, then, you know, the trend is your friend. But if this is, the, you know, this is, the, I felt that yesterday, like, wow, 60 point sell-off. When have we seen that? So a possible turn, but as you know, in uh, this market, uh, you know, once it gets going in one direction, you know, it takes something, a macro event, maybe to not, uh, knock it off. It's What's the we, catalyst, we all know it's please? A- just tell me the catalyst to go to all-time highs. I want to know why. Well, I, what brings us back camp. down? That's the thing. I think what's going on here is that it's become kind of one of these rallies that let's compare it to kind of what if we got the rally, of course, out of the pandemic, we got a, a bunch of Fed money coming in that was pushing us up. But what brings us back down? What brings us back down? What's the catalyst? What's the one that's going to bring us back down? Well, which Dennis? one do you want to go with? One, we're going into a recession. There isn't going to be a okay. soft landing. It hasn't even started. I mean, I mean that's the that's the that's the thing. Oh yeah. Well, the battle for soft landing. Where is it though? Is it getting better for the soft landing, or is it getting worse against that narrative? I think it's getting better for the soft landing. Sure, we we can the say narrative, inflation not going up in July was a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, but prices are still, it, it's still going to be, the consumer's got to be strapped. I mean, it's just common yeah. sense and the market has none of it. It never does. That's why there's so many inefficiencies to exploit, exactly. to extract alpha from. The market doesn't have any common sense. It's made up a bunch of dumb participants. I've had this rant before. It's why it's so bloody inefficient. So, you know, 
I just can't see how you can jack rates up as fast as we have. And a year from now, everybody's just spending like they were spending with no Fed, no, 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 no Fed behind it. Fed working against you now. Yet, you know, we're all just going to go to back to spending and buying our toys and doing all our things because there's no free money. I just doesn't add up. So I think this is a this has been a nice run. We were oversold, which we called. We called this bottom on this show. I called it multiple times. I still think the ARKK 2022 low is in. I've been absolutely correct about that because the stocks just got massively oversold. It doesn't mean that you know we're not we're, that we're going back to all time highs though. I'm not saying ARKK is going back to 170. dollars no. I'm not saying ARKK is going back to 70. dollars I'm just saying when it was when it went from 70 to 35 in three weeks and people are like well we need capitulation what do you want man square square dropped back in june from 84 dollars to 56 dollars in six days oh i don't see any capitulation what are you looking at we had capitulation and that is why we've come back up we suckered people people got spooked they sold the bottom now they're coming in and they're rebuying stocks here now because they're like oh we're going on to all-time highs I am on the opposite train of that. I think they're wrong again. They were wrong in June. We were right. Got paid to be right. I think they're wrong again. I don't know when the rug pulls. I don't know if it's going to be China. I don't know if it's going to be the next big earnings miss, which is coming. There's going to be more. We're coming out of earnings season. That's a good news thing because you're not going to get these earnings misses. But I think the next quarter is going to be an epic disaster again. Why is it going to get better? People are going to spend less. They have less money. So we have to get used to. So the only way I believe the market go back to all-time highs, we start to get multiple expansion again. Because it's not going to come from the E. These earnings aren't going to explode. We're not going back into the heyday of everybody spending money. They don't have the money. Rich people always have the money. But the average person living in North America right now has a lot less money because there's a lot less free money going around. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, in the all-time high camp. Uh, and I'm really not in the, like a super retest of the lows camp either. Uh, trading range, uh, maybe we're going to find a trade. I mean, there are times where the market is just in a nauseating trading range, you know, for for days or weeks or even months. So I don't know. Could it be, we be in like a, a 3,800, a 4,200 trading range or something like that? I, I not, I'm not in the camp of uh, – you know, the move back to all time highs. So, you know, this market can, uh, can definitely surprise you, but uh, maybe, so it's, it's mid August here, right? Uh, quad witch. I mean, can we just like, you know, creep higher very quietly into that September expiration and then, you know, make a turn a lot of, we definitely turned up on the June expiration, right? Right on that time. Maybe you just have to just be patient here and not try and pick a top of this rally. Let it flow into expiration. We know we have all kinds of strange things can happen on that. Uh, so I'm looking at that catalyst. That the China thing you, you can't you can't predict. I mean, it's just going to happen when it happens. So and maybe actually, nothing say, happens. You know, that's what the bull thesis is: that China's just like we don't want to deal. We're not going to go into Taiwan. We were doing all these drills outside just to spook everyone and say, look, we could do it if we want to do it, but we're not going to do it. I mean, that's possible. Could happen. Still doesn't get us out of a, a out of the you know recession scenario, which we are officially in with the with the two quarters. But it's not going to get this better immediately. And to Chad's point, all over JJJ, look at consumer credit card debt. We laid this whole scenario out on this show 
probably three months ago. I've laid it out probably three or four times. This is how it works. You start jacking up rates. The first people, the first thing they do when they start to get strapped for money is they sell the toys. You're not buying toys. We've seen that, you know, from multiple earnings coming through this season, that the big fancy toys are not getting bought nearly as much. The second thing you do is you start racking up your credit card debt. So you're still good. You can still do what you want to do. You have some discretionary income, but the credit card debt's going up. Once that's, then you start cutting out all discretionary spending. And then eventually you start defaulting on payments. So we are not, that doesn't just happen in two days, in two weeks. That happens over the course of months. We are how far into this tightening cycle here, Joel, since the Fed first raised rates. Much question for you two or chat. When was the first day that rates actually went up? How long ago? It wasn't that long ago. Was it three months ago? Four months ago? Was it? When did he flip? It's a good exercise. When did he When was the first day? Chat's all over everything. When was the first day, the actual first day that we went and raised rates? March. That's okay. So Goito is saying March. And I believe, you know, our chat's all over everything. So I said March. March. That's what I said. March sounds right. Okay. So you got April. I'm thinking. April, March 10th. So we got, you give part of March, but basically April, May, June, July, August, five months ago. They'll start to feel it. But last quarter's earnings, they weren't even feeling it yet. You know, because your last quarter is from April to June. They're maybe starting to feel a little bit, but not bad. Wait till this next quarter earnings when consumers are more strapped. That credit card debt, they've dragged all that up last quarter, but they're still spending. Now they're like, oh, oh, credit card's full. Oh. All of a sudden, well, I sold my toys. My credit card's full. It's like, ooh, okay, well, we're going to go out to restaurants a little bit less now. Let's cut out more discretionary spending. And eventually, if you're really in tight, and this is what will happen because the whole world's built on debt, is some people will default on payments. Car payments first, obviously. House payments, scary. That can happen. Keep jacking up rates as fast as we do. That's the path. That doesn't all fit go in like a month. It's not like all of a sudden the rates are high and everything is a mess. Over the course of a year, though, like one year from now, if rates are still high, the consumer will be in a lot of trouble. So we can say the consumer is still relatively strong, probably because they jacked up that credit card debt, which we predicted and happened. So it's following that path. So to just come in here and say, rah, rah, all-time highs, we're going back to the way it was in 2020 is absurd, in my opinion. So, and to Cameron's awesome presentation yesterday, I think that... You know, I think maybe the worst is behind us, but I can't bet on the best being ahead of us. So you're kind of in the middle here. So did we bottom back in June? Sure we did. Are we topping right now? I think we might be, but you know, where where it happens, but I just don't see that, you know, where I'm I'm gonna come buy stocks now. I'm coming in and buying Apple stock now. After the thing just ran up from 130 to 170 in literally a month and a half, and now it's 10 points off the all-time highs, been trading 25 times or 26 times earnings. It's not cheap. So is there stocks to buy that are cheap? Probably, but I think an overall market pullback would be a healthy thing here right now. I don't think we're going back down to the lows, but I don't think I need to chase here. Here, it was March 17th uh, was the first rate hike. Uh, this uh, year, so that wasn't too bad. At least I yep. guess March. And, right and, I didn't know the date yep. though. <laughs> yep. And then and we rallied a little bit off after it, right? Boom to four fifty, mm-hmm. and then you know we all know what happened after Don't that. Fight so. the Fed. Don't fight the Fed. That's Fed it. Davis. Don't fight Mitch. Spot Fed on. Davis. Don't fight the Fed. Zippy. The Fed is fighting the market. 
you're you're right. You're one hundred percent right. Don't fight the Fed. We've learned that the hard way. You know, from basically the last ten years, if you're bearish, fighting the Fed, the free money train, the free money train. It's the opposite now. So if you are buying stocks, you are actually fighting the Fed. So I don't. I'm so, just all I'm doing is raising some cash. I'm not all in bearish. I'm not short the market. But I think it's prudent if you've participated and uh, and not even have participated. If you've been in the stock market getting your butt kicked, which has absolutely happened um, to a lot of people out there, you just got half your money back. Might be prudent to take some chips off the table. How does the China stocks delisting today play into this kind of narrative now? Um, does this is this kind of a, a warning sign that we should watch out for? Of course, China stocks. Um, after some of the nation's largest uh, state-owned companies announced plans to delist from American exchanges, does this play into the narrative with the overall market now? Uh, it's not good. And if you look at emerging markets, I mean, they have went up, but it hasn't been pretty, especially if you look at China FXI. I mean, think about the rally, Joel. This is a good exercise here, too. Think about the rally that we've had in the overall market in July. Look at what FXI did in July. Straight down 10%. I mean, it's ugly over there. There's a reason for that. Is you know, we're like at a situation, one, where the U.S. investors aren't trusting to invest in China as much. But two is, I just don't know if we'll be buying as much stuff from them. You know, we're trying to chip sack, trying to bring stuff over. Ratings on the wall here that this just hasn't been. The U.S. and China are in a political war here. And delistings is part of this political war. Are they going to delist the big guns? I sure as hell hope not. But it's a reason I don't own Alibaba. I always liked Alibaba, but you know, I sold it a long time ago to everybody saying I was an idiot to sell it. When I first sold it at 240, they said I was yeah, stupid. Then I sold the rest of it at 150 <laughs> and they said I was stupid. Now it's 92. So yeah. I don't know who's stupid now. Baidu, three bucks down here this morning. So they're getting hit. I have, I see no reason other than, you know, some of these are fairly cheap on evaluation metrics. Like we said, as much as Apple is expensive, some of these stocks are actually cheap if you believe the numbers. But if we're, you know, going to political war and we're start, going to start making stuff with the U.S., which I think they need to do, you know, maybe there's that potential where these stocks, you know, are going into secular decline here. I don't know. I, I The delistings and stuff, I, I don't want to be invested when I see stuff like this, though. Been talking about it for a long time, you know, um, back and forth, back and forth. But uh, I think this with the five companies today, and they're all smaller companies. I mean, it definitely, uh, you know, shows the direction in which they're uh, in which they're going. And um, as we talk, as we talk bearish here, the S and P's continue to climb the wall to worry. Uh, we are now up twenty one and a half handles, uh, just off that pre market high forty two thirty seven. Impossible to time it perfect. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. I think this I is think an overall long term is, picture. Exactly. I think one of the things is is what time frame Dennis is talking about versus I'm just talking like long term investing right now. Talking mm -hmm. to long term investors that have the FOMO going. Multiple people reached out. What do we do here? I mean, we're up. We're, we'll be buying stocks. I'm like, no. I'm actually selling stocks today in the long term portfolio. As a trader, you can trade anything. As a trader, I would sell this rally too because I think what happened yesterday to blow off top. We got hammered and coin, we hammered another thing and getting the snapback. So I think it sets up even well from a trading perspective from the short side here today. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it's okay to be wrong. Just don't stay wrong. But for this part here, I think what's setting up well. 
I think the whole thing set up well. I think we called it almost perfectly. I mean, CPI light. I mean, people are really giving me heat. Some people really give me heat. I'm, I'm just wrong. I'm like, well, I don't, don't think I was wrong with the CPI light call. I said the market, I think it's going to rally. I went long stocks. I sold it into the 420. I didn't sell it 425. I didn't get it all because, you know, we went from 412 to 420. Got paid for that. 420 to 425, not as, you know, you know that second day move. I didn't. I kind of thought we might stall at 420. So we got a little bit more. But then we had the rug pull. And I tweeted out yesterday morning. I said, I'd be selling stocks here. And then we fell from there. So I think even on a day trading basis, we called the market pretty well. So I don't know what, what the heat's for, but people, you know, some people, because I'm very opinionated, just like to give me heat, and that's what it is. Always, man. It, it, that's, it wouldn't be a market if you didn't get heat, man. AMC apes back at it. Let's talk a little bit about the meme stocks coming back yesterday a little bit. AMC was one of the strongest ones. Um, we're going to take a quick look here at AMC bouncing back. GME didn't really partake in Triple BY, but Triple BY has been hanging on here. And so I'll definitely keep that one on your radar. How do you guys feel about AMC? coming into today it's been an awesome run i mean i don't think it's going back to 60 or 70 and we're going back to 300 and it's the next game stop i think it's like boom you got 12 to 25 in a month and a half i don't know where the thing stops where i don't know where the the, the the circus show ends but it's been a good run it's been disconnected from fundamentals forever i think you're taking the money and running but you know but who knows like this is a hard stock to call and if i say something bearish about it people hate me so you're not <laughs> supposed mean, to talk amc don't or worry you gotta, you're supposed you gotta to be eliminated here. from the show you got a bull here i brought on matt cords two or three weeks ago to talk about amc and it was setting up for a nice i like matt matt low. follows me on twitter i like yeah, matt, matt he's Kors a good guy is, yeah he we talked he's about a nice it. guy well you one know, of the things on, that i talked about with him is that Really, for a second there, the AMC story, right, for a while and out of the pandemic was that the theaters were going to go out of business. That's what a lot of people thought. Yeah. Not what happened. Let's just be honest. And that's not what happened. Why didn't that happen? Why didn't AMC go out of business? The truth there is the battle was were the movies just going to come to our home? And they weren't going to be streamed inside the theaters, right? They were going to be streamed both ways where you could go to the movie theater and you could watch it at home. But if you've seen the companies that were doing that, Disney Plus, uh, you know, uh, you had HBO, right, that were bringing it back to your home, they, they went away from that. They're going back to the theatrical releases. And so this gives AMC their story back that, yeah, people will be going back to the movie theaters. Now, does it make sense at a price up here? Well, that's to each his own. But one thing I would say is the narrative came back to AMC that people are going to the movie theaters. Yeah, it's all it's all a trades on his story. You're the story trader, Mitch. I mean, this isn't trade on fundamentals. It can trade everything, it can trade on technicals, but it trades on story. It Top trades gun. on hype. Top it trades on story and this. hype. But the reason AMC didn't go out of business was because of the apes. They saved that company. Congratulations. I've never seen yeah. that. In 22 years of trading, I've never seen investors come in and save that company they saved that company by jacking up the price so far that they were able to sell shares to raise more capital to get themselves out of trouble the apes saved that company and that is impressive in itself so impressive you know so i don't know the path going forward here it is still disconnected from fundamentals but i do know that the apes saved that company 2750 is what I'd keep an eye on today. If you're looking for more uh for more upside in it, that was your high on Monday. 
Looks like someone has a little bit of a piece here at 26.50. They're just trying to nibble out of. But, uh, you know, you hit that 27.50, a little bit too much too fast. Came down, filled the gap. You're right back up here. So that's what I would keep an eye on. 27.50. Um, and then also for today, who knows how the market's going to go? Who knows how this is going to trade? Uh, yesterday, uh, besides the day that, um, you know, you had the move up, you made the high of the move. That yesterday was the most impressive day. And for me, the reason is, is because it, it had its uh, high close for the move and it had it by nearly $2. Didn't make a new high for the move, but a new high close for the move. So $25.46, we'll keep an eye on improving on that today. And then $27.50 on the upside. That's a quick look at AMC. And Can we take good- a quick one at Triple BY because I think it's setting sure. up there at sure. least. It's been hanging out here just a, a, right above the 10 mark. And I think it, oh, it, I it looks interesting for a pop into the 11s. It's got to hold the low at 863, which is a hell of a long ways away from here. So it's hard to control yeah. risk on this thing now. Um, you've got that little uptrend going here. I mean, the 12. fundamentals in this company, the company is still in a whole world of trouble. So it's mm-hmm. not like this is the turnaround story here. This I don't think the company's turning it around at all. Agreed. I just think that it's a story type stock. It's getting a little bit of a buzz. You've seen these Reddit stocks start to take, you know, you have to take note of Reddit again. You didn't have to watch Reddit for the last, you know, for, for a while here. Now you've got to take note. They're moving stocks again. So the hype's back. The FOMO's back. They're going on Reddit. They're like, how are we making money? You know, it's back. So how long it stays back is the question. But I do think like, you know, Bed Bath around 5 to 10 to 12. There's a rug pull on these stocks eventually here. I don't want to be caught in it. Volumes coming down. Uh, the big day that had 124 million. That's when you had the leap from 816 to 1141. You're not back at 1141 yet. So I'd keep an eye on that. And then the uh, the high to move at 1199. Those are your two levels. As far as support goes, you got a double close area um, at 1050. And then just you know going back, you know to the you know pot, you know things for a bearish bearish thesis at these levels. I mean, you know, these stocks did the same thing, you know, and ended up, it took a while, but it did, it did single, you know, signal a major top in the market. So that's, you know, the excessive speculation. Excessive speculation is a great word. And that's what you start to see when you get near the tops. That's why you've seen it multiple times where all these, these, these meme stocks start to get hot again. And then the rug pull happens. So it's usually not a good sign. I don't like the action from yesterday, just going back to it again. I don't like the Coinbase action. I don't like there was multiple stocks that look like that. I mean, Square Joel did not have a good day, SQ, up, and they pulled the rug out from under it. There was a lot of stocks that just didn't have good days. AMD did not have a great day yesterday. It opened up and then closed down right near the lows. So you get you naturally get a snapback on these days because it's people who are day jobs, and they come in like, oh, we got a pullback. We've come in. I think it's a bull trap here. So short term, like from a day trading perspective, I think we could go red today. All right. Now let's take a look at the earnings stock that we were going to take a look at today, Rivian. Let's jump right into that one and then we'll be able to get through all our headlines. And I see someone in the back that everybody should be excited about. Ryan Dietrich coming on soon. So definitely hit the like button. Let's take a quick look at Rivian here. Automotive here. EPS coming in at a loss of $1.62. 
sales came in and beating the 337.52 billion uh, million estimate. Sales came in at 364 million, so a slight beat there. Rivian Automotive said that they produced 4,401 vehicles and delivered 4,467 vehicles. They did report over 15 billion in cash and cash equivalents. Uh, they did also reiterate their production target of 25,000 total units produced. And they also said that they would add a shift to go ahead and get to those numbers. One thing that I did like that they did include that, how would they get to 25,000 if they've only produced 4,401 vehicles in the first half? Well, they're going to increase a new shift to try to get there dangerous stock here i have no idea this one's just us this is a curveball because this thing i could see this going either way i could see this just ripping higher because it's people who are short and want to squeeze them and it could rip higher to 45 i could see the rug pull and this thing going to 35 i'm absolutely not swinging at this pitch i'm out not calling the stock it's gonna be a tough one to call uh, well, I'm trying to get a really steep trend line in here, but yeah, there, there, there you go. That's, uh, you know, that's your channel bottom there. Um, uh, I, I saw that the earnings come out yesterday on this and I just, I looked at the daily and I just can't get 40 bucks out of my head. Uh, just, yeah. I mean, it's just a simple level uh 39.95, the high yesterday. And then I looked back here, this was 40.64. <laughs> You've doubled off the uh off the Kathy Lowe. Uh, so if the, if the bulls are going to take control of the stock today and moving forward, they're going to get this thing 40 bid. They're going to take out 41. They're going to take out 41 and a half. So that that's just like a pivot area. We're below it now. It is resistance. It's high of the move. Uh on the downside here, the highest low, uh, you know, if you're looking to exit on weakness, uh, the highest low of the move was yesterday's uh, low at 37.75. We'll see what happens in Rivian. A lot of, I think, what's going to happen there is I've just been focusing on Tesla. I feel like that's really the, the, the dragon to watch here. Is it coming back to 900? Are we going to break back down to the 50% that is retracement? It, that's true, is too, man. Yeah. And so those I, are the I, levels that I'm watching. 900 above, Tesla yeah. looks interesting. And then the 50% retracement puts it down towards 810. Range That's where I've been here. looking for that pullback. But. Trying to hold on. Trying to hold on. Trying the problem with sure. Tesla, though, is he going to lose this yeah. Twitter suit. He might um, need to sell some more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the stock. Twitter keeps going up. They, the market is speaking like he's losing. He's yeah. going to, he going to, and he raising cap just in case in the unlikely scenario unlikely, that though. he loses. He's <laughs> losing. I'm calling it. He's losing. So and I don't know if Twitter's going to, like, I think um, they might settle before, but either way, I think the settlements for like a lower price, I think he's stuck buying Twitter. He doesn't want to buy Twitter. I think he'd be stuck buying Twitter. I think it's going to spread him thin, a little bit thinner. I think he's awesome. I love him. Like just what he's accomplished. I like, you know, you watch that Netflix special. I'm a Musk fan. So don't kid you. When I say Tesla, I don't want to own Tesla because of valuation. I am a big Musk fan. This guy is innovative. I mean, what he has done is incredible. He doesn't even sleep. He doesn't, you know, he's used to live in a little apartment beside. Like, I mean, what he has done is nothing short of incredible, his accomplishments. But with that being said, I think he screwed up on this Twitter stuff. 
All right, we'll see what happens with that situation. And does Elon get stuck with uh, Twitter? Of course, that's coming in October 17th. Um, so the, the court date will be coming on up. And I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Even if Elon gets stuck with Twitter, we've never seen him really fail, right? And so it's going to be interesting to watch what he can do if he does get stuck with it. I'd now, be, let's I, go. I would like to own Twitter, but he's going to go private. So I'm like, so you get the 5420. But, you know, if it yeah. was just going to be like running the company, it was still going to be a public company. That's a huge for Twitter. It'd be interesting, right? It's actually very, very bad news what if he, for all What if he says he doesn't want to go private, Dennis? What if he says, I'm going to keep it public? Well, well, it's already 5420. He's taking it over private. So, I mean, he's still got to buy the company. He could re, I mean, re, Bring it re-list back. it, relist yeah. it after. Who knows? It could be a strategy there. He could, we'll he could come and relist it. That All right, happen. let's go towards our guest today. I know the chat got super excited when I mentioned him just a few minutes ago. Let's go to Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist at Carson Group. Welcome, Ryan. Welcome back. It's been a little bit of a while. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, it has been. Uh, my summer break is over, I guess, and I'll, I'm back at it. So I'm glad to be back, guys. Thank you. All right, tell I us like- about your new gig. Tell us about your new gig here. Yeah, so I'm at uh, Carson Group now. Carson Group is one of the largest RIAs in the country, one of the fastest growing financial institutions in the entire country. And I'm just thrilled, right? I get to do some of the similar things. I can still come on with you guys, right? I uh, get to work with advisors. But I think it's just it's just really neat to kind of work with a company that kind of has the same vision that I do, is growing as fast as they can. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled, right? I mean, I get to work with a really, really great research team here. Um, and we're just going to create a lot of cool content help our advisors, help their clients just continue to grow. So I am absolutely thrilled to be with Carson Group here. I guess this this is my third week, I guess. I'm getting back on the bike and getting back into it. Nice. So let's take this to the markets here, Ryan. And this has been such an interesting year from, you know, the sell-off and the bearishness in the first half to the second half pretty much being the exact opposite. Rah, rah, bull is back in town. What are your stats telling us? Like, because we're really at the crossroads here. I mean, we're at the fifty percent retracement of the yeah. overall move in S and P. Um, you know, obviously there's some key people's cases that we're eventually getting back to all time highs, and the party's going to continue. And there's other people we're going into. You know, the recession and money's tighter, and China's giving us problems, and you know we're going to revisit those lows. Where do you stand on this? Boy, no easy questions. No, we there. throw you right into the fire. <laughs> let's, let's start with this. Do you see my screen? <laughs> <laughs> okay should we have seen trouble the answer is yes perfect okay so you see my screen that's the first thing as long as you see what i'm trying to share that's great so you know I, guys you know i've come on to you for a long time i love to kind of draw the picture as to what could have happened looking at history let's keep let's it pretty simple here for the first couple slides big picture stuff we know we have a new president we know it's the second year of a new president check out on the screen here that green there under a new president the weakest scenario is a second year in the presidential cycle under a new president. It's never that simple. I get it. 
But still, that's something to be aware of. Good news for you know longer-term investors. Look to the right once you get to that third year. Things get a little bit better. Now, here's a chart I know I've shared with you before. You know, it's just the, looking at all the quarters of the four-year presidential cycle, and it is what it is. Midterm years, kind of like I just talked about, usually aren't that great. You can see the second quarter of a midterm year, the one we just had, where we I think we lost 16% on the S&P last quarter, approximately. That's the worst one out of the 16 quarters. So we're in that range. And I came on you saying, listen, after 120% rally, maybe a little indigestion, maybe but we think it'd be the, you know, one of the worst bear markets we've seen in a long time. No, one of the worst starts of year ever. No, but still some of these things were kind of, the dominoes were set up, I guess you could say, looking at this. And again, the good news from a bigger picture Going out a little bit, you see some of those better quarters come in here. What else did I have here? Okay, here's an interesting one to me, at least. We just pulled back, what was it, 23.6%. So ballpark 24%, close stuff for government work. The average pullback, if you don't have a recession, and like you just said, Dennis, are we, are we not? We don't think we're in a recession. I got a slide that shows that in a second. But if you're not in a recession, all right, the average bear market, you can see, pulls back right about 24%. <laughs> Is it that simple? I don't know. Was June 16th the lows? We think it very well could have been. And that's just kind of another way to show once you get down negative 20, if you don't think you're in a recession, it might be time to start to potentially nibble a little bit. And that's absolutely taking place. Um, this is another one here. We just had the 150th day of the year, I think like a Monday or Tuesday. All that I one of the worst starts of the year ever. Yes, you can see on the right, normally years come back. What I think is fascinating though. Check out how many of those years are midterm years, right? The last six times we had a worse start to year ever, they were midterm years. So again, <laughs> it is what it is. Midterm years usually can be a little rough and they can come back. I got a couple more guys and we can get a little more conversational if you want. Yeah, uh, big quarterly drops, right? We just had a 16% drop in a quarter. Check it out. Six months later, after a 15% drop in a quarter, never lower for the S&P. A year later, Never lower for the S&P, relatively small sample size, but eight for eight, I'll take it, um, up 26% on average. Now here's the breadth one. I know you guys talk about this stuff a lot. Like we had over 80% of the stocks in the S&P just crack above their 50-day moving average. What in the world does that mean? Well, I kind of just, you know, show it here. When you have that much breadth, normally stocks will continue to do pretty well. Yes, it happened right ahead of the 100-year pandemic also, and that didn't work. But the other times, we've seen strength. I'll tell you, when you get it to 90% of stocks above the 50-day moving average, which we're not there yet, but hey, it could yeah. be there a little more strength. The returns going out a year are like well over 20% on average, higher just about every single time. So a little more breath could be a real strong signal. Maybe I'll go to this one, and then maybe we'll talk a little. Uh, jobs, you know, so Fundamentally, the F word, fundamentals, right? We just made up all the jobs that were lost. And here's what I want to point out here. When you have over um, 3 million jobs created in one year, like we are this year, guys, that year's never been in a recession. 17 out of 17, never in a recession. The next year, only once did you go into a recession when you created as many jobs as we've made this year. So again, at fundamentals, you know, are we, aren't we? The jobs market to us says we're likely not in a recession and that, again, suggests we probably made a pretty major low and, and things, um, they're not perfect, right? But it's better than we were. And we think this upward trend is alive and well. So I'll yeah, stop like for a minute this. here. I like this ball yeah. talk. I like well, this. Well, I mean, we always got to stay optimistic at the, at the end of the day, right? I mean, you can always know that in long term, I mean, even if we're in a bear market, usually going to come back to a bull market at some yep. time, right? And so well, I think that Japan. that's... Uh, well, we won't get into that. Uh, we, we live here in the United States, and I know that you live a little bit north. 
Dennis, but we won't get into that. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely, I think here now, one of the things, that, Ryan, definitely that you brought up that caught my eye was the market breadth. And that yeah. how that's changing. The big important part with that is really that it's not one stock leading us back, right? It's It's a lot of stocks that are leading us back. Now, one area that I've been watching, of course, is the SMA 200 compared to the SMA 50. Now, the SMA 50 definitely came back really fast there. Do you think it came back too fast or do you think it it was just kind of one of these things where everything was just kind of going with the correlation up? Yeah, I think everything going with the correlation up. I mean, and again, those breadth thrusts, right? Remember, it was maybe two weeks ago when we said, you know, more than 55% of the stocks, the S&P, were making a monthly high. People were talking about that. That was another one of those, all the stocks at once kind of go up. And that's what you kind of see at major lows. All those stocks kind of group together and, and form uh, um, some strength. Now, hopefully you're still seeing the screen. I kind of have a what year is it, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, we like to use analogies, right? I mean, well, I'll tell you, so 1970. Right? this guy. Yeah, 1970 <laughs> was the worst start to a year at the midpoint since this year. Down like t- over 20% at the midpoint. I forget the exact number. Actually came back to positive. So just be aware of that. Also, 1968, 1920, I'm sorry, 1968 and 2020, very similar, right? Election year, protests, recession, pandemic, okay? 68 in, in 2020. And then you add two years, and here we are again with some similarities, all right? And who knows? I mean, 1970, the second half was pretty strong. 2008, I threw that in there. Hey, some people say it's 2008. We don't think so. We'll see with the bad start of the year. I think it's more, 94 is that period where the Fed was aggressive. Fed was hiking, hiking, hiking. Mid-cycle slowdown did not go into recession. I think, you know, Mark Twain said, he's trying to repeat, but it rhymes. Some similarities there. I think 82 makes a lot of sense, though. High inflation, issues with Russia, the economy kind of wishy-washy. But massive inflation, right? There was a three-year bear market where stocks went down 27% from, I think it was November of 80 until August of 82. Within four months, that 27% bear market was made up once it became clear inflation was starting to peak and roll over. Did we just get that signal this week? Yeah, I think so. I think we've had some signals, but I think that's a signal inflation's rolling over here. And could we make up all these losses in three or four months? I, you know, I don't know, maybe not. But history would say, don't, don't ignore that. And you know, you say, this is like 82, people kind of heads explode. I'm just saying there are some similarities. We've seen bad times before. Um, we've gotten out of them and we've come back to new highs. We're pretty optimistic we can make new highs. If not by the end of this year, you know, pretty first quarter next year, we could be back in, in our opinion. Devil's advocate on the 1982. Yep. So the big difference was interest rates in 1982 were an 18-19%. And then we went on this historic 30-year decline in rates like forever into like it, when you were in 1980, my parents, and I'm pretty sure this is true, had to put 25% down to buy a house. Yeah. I mean, it was a different world. The world wasn't built on debt, it was built on savings. The world is now built on debt. So it's so the impact of rising rates is way worse than it would have been when rates were already high in 1982. In they started to come down. Mm. I just don't see this environment where all of a sudden rates are going back to zero or close to zero and inflation's going to stay in check and we're all just going to live happily ever after. I just 82 was a nice setup to buy stocks. I just yeah. don't think we're in 82. Um, right. So I, I'm just playing your game here too. No. You know, 2008. You know, it was awful. I don't think we're in 2008 because that was a financial crisis and that was yep. just a complete mess. And I don't think we're there. You know, 70, I don't think we're there either because that was the market top. And then we were 12 years of going nowhere. So, 
94, I don't remember because I was in university and I was uh, partying too much. <laughs> so well, 90, yeah, 94 would work probably. Call it a mid-cycle slowdown. So there's no, and I agree. I mean, 82 is, you know, that was a different scenario. Nobody wanted to buy stocks then. But again, just, I guess the key concept being, you know, when you have this massive inflation, if it starts to roll over, there can be a pretty significant move higher. I used this example before. Take the ball under the water. You got on the water, let it go. Once it starts going up, it can really go up. And again, you look at some of those positives. We saw the CPI number and PPI number, I guess, yesterday. Uh, those are um, those were impressive. One final thing, guys. I think I let me see. I've got it here somewhere. Just to mention in the Fed, right? The reaction. Okay, remember the Fed meeting a couple weeks ago? We rallied on it. Okay, it looked pretty hawkish. Hey, I don't know, but the market rallied. So I care more how we react to it. You yeah. guys remember this year? The Fed would hike, market would go up. The next day, be a face plant, lose three or four yeah, percent. Yeah. It didn't happen this time. So something different happened. I'm sharing here. We had three one percent gains around the Fed a couple weeks ago when the Fed did its interest rate hike. It, it, it is what it is. When you have that much breath with all the other breath stuff I was talking about, check it out. A year later, you're never lower of over twenty percent of the time when you have three straight one percent gains. Last time we saw something like this. Four 1% gains around the election, November 2020, which obviously kicked off a really, really good bull market then. We'll see if history repeats itself um, or, or rhymes. But again, what we the reaction we're seeing now is just a, a pleasant surprise. And again, uh, probably a sign that stocks will do better in bonds second half of this year. And we're working our way back to a new high, um, you know, maybe before the end of the year, which I know sounds kind of crazy. But 1970, yeah. 82, say it's possible. Uh, we're on the line with Ryan Dietrich, chief market strategist now of Carson Group LLC. So uh, before we let you go, like what's going to lead us here? I mean, you have you have Apple's had this great rally trading at uh, you know a multiple that mm -hmm. it hasn't traded up very you know before. You know your tech has done okay. Your yep. financials we're pausing here. You know what you know what's the growth stocks have had some some nice moves higher. What is it? What you know? What is it going to be? Is it the, the energy sector? I mean, what what mm -hmm. is going to do? We've done a lot of heavy lifting. We've gotten yes. off the low, and now we're pausing. What? Where? What's going to lead us to the promised land? What? What Ooh. sectors? I know you like to talk sectors yep. as opposed to individual stocks. Absolutely. So, you know, we're still a little overweight value here, more even weight growth. You talk about tech, we think tech maybe is more of an extremely oversold uh, bounce here, but still the market goes up. These areas are going to go higher. So we'd still uh, side a little bit with materials, energy, um, you know, on, on that side of things, more neutral weight uh, technology here. But just, you know, big picture, I think for, for your average investor, just to remember, I mean, there's, a, you know, what Amazon got cut in half, right? Apple got down 30%. I know they're higher now, but there are some, there's some really good companies still that are making a lot of money that are much cheaper than they were. We, we know that. But again, the, the, it's all about those under, uh, fundamentals and underpinnings. And, and again, I hate to say the Fed drives the ship, but it does to a degree. We, we're optimistic they're not going to hike quite as much. And that's kind of just another bullet point, if you will, for um, for this uh, this trend to go. But, you know, value a little bit over growth, but we still think opportunity big time stocks over bonds is why we're positioning our portfolios here. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Thank you for coming on, Ryan Dietrich. And like always, bringing the stats. That's one thing that never you will see Ryan slack on. Uh, he's one of the best out there and definitely covers it all. So if you guys want to follow him, definitely check him out on Twitter. I see these stats coming out all the time. So you guys want to definitely stick close with Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist at Carson Group. Appreciate you coming on, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Thanks Ryan. guys.
All right, let's keep going here. Let's take a look at some ticker time. What's going on with the overall market, Joel? Are we getting some leaking or are we still no, up? No, this has been a super quiet pre, uh, pre-market uh, session. Well, we had the jobs number. Uh, we're just we're just hanging out here. Uh, seven points off the high at 42.37.50. No intermediate numbers in between there. 60.50 yesterday's high, high of the move. Um, and if, man, we come, if we come back down, I mean, the only thing I could probably give you would be mid range on the session and that comes around 4220. Uh, but once again, for, for Ryan's scenario, for us moving over, uh, moving forward from here, you gotta, you gotta prove you can hold 4200, put a couple, uh, put a couple lows in, in that area and then take out that 4260. Point five zero high, boy. Big, big important handle. day for the market here. Big important day for the market. People asking me, multiple people, what I did with my house of mouse. I said I might sell into it. I did sell some into it. I actually got almost the high. Sold it right after the open. One twenty two fifty. I sold more of the position. Still got it. Still got a chunk of Disney. Didn't want to sell it all, but I had. It was the biggest position, I believe, like a single stock position. S and P, SPY, and QQ, I think, are the biggest positions in my long term portfolio. But I think it was the biggest single stock position in my long term portfolio. Uh, so I lighten it up. It's been a good run. I mean, um, ninety to one twenty two, and I still think that there's trouble ahead. So, um, so that's why you know I've lightened it up. But I still have a chunk. I still have a chunk of AMD. I still have a chunk of Disney. Um, you know, people say, "Why don't you just sell it all?" I was like, "Wow." If I th- if I knew for certain I had the crystal ball that we were going back down to the lows, I would. But nobody knows anything for certain. That's why I don't go 100% cash. What, right. what if I'm wrong? Chat's asking, what about the financials here? We've been seeing them Still going. Yeah. a little bit of the bid there. Are these in play? And is this one of the plays that you can look for if you think that we're not going into recession here? I think the financials are cheap. I think that I think we're going into a recession and that's why I don't go in those because those will get hit the hardest. I mean, that whole scenario that I was just talking about where you sell the toys and then you rack up the credit card debt and then, you know, you cut back to discretionary spendings. They haven't even got to the banks yet. The banks are the problem because they're the lenders and people start defaulting on payments. I'm not saying we're going into 2008 where we're in the financial crisis and, you know, payments. We're not in this, you know, maybe massive housing bubble, although you could argue that we are in Canada. Um, I don't think that we're in, you know, a 2007, 2008, especially to Ryan's point that he just had with the great side. But I do think that the banks at the end of the day, if we're going to recession, are going to get hit as well. So they've had a good run already, too. So, again, if you weren't buying banks a month ago, you're late to the party. Buying Citigroup now is 43 to 54 in the better part of three and a half weeks, four weeks. That's a big move. Bank America, $29 to $36, up 20%. In a matter of a couple of weeks, JP Morgan, 105 to 121. You're coming in now? 280, Goldman Sachs, 280 to 351. Wait, wait, look at this, is the, this is the time where you were, you had Whoa. the guts and you were buying the dip back in June, July. This is your payday. This is the ring the register moment. So, no, I'm not buying banks here. If I was lying, them, I'd be selling them. All right. I did want to take one second here. I wanted to show you guys what I've been looking at to see when do I think we could get that reversal action. Um, I know that we're not really big on the technicals here, but really quickly, just going to point towards it. When we were at the bottom there on the spy, we did get down towards the bottom on the RSI. Now we're heading towards the top of the extreme. Last time when we came down here was that bounce that we were here. 
And that was the specific date was March 29th when we were at the top there. We were at RSI 75 and you could say 77.42 was the high there. Now we're starting to get on the daily here. We're at 75.98. I think we can go towards maybe the 80s. But from there, how much further can we get? This just a kind of a technical way of saying, yes, we are overbought to kind of go towards what Dennis says. Of course, Dennis doesn't need this, but hey, some of us traders That's nice. kind of, it kind of take shows, a look at it. Maybe I should have that on my screen because it kind of just shows what I've been talking about. I'm feeling it because I'm in the market every day, but you know, I can see there like, yeah, you know, oversold as much as I felt we were oversold. I was showing we were oversold. So it was confirming what I was thinking. This is more confirmation of my thought exactly. process That's is that we're I overbought right now. We're not cheap. We were cheap a month ago, like fairly cheap. We're not cheap now. My stocks have had a nice run. I mean, even Amazon, you know, like, and I took some heat on the Amazon. I bought it like 110 and I went down to like a hundred bucks, 140. I'm up. I looked at that Amazon. I'm up like 20 some percent or my wife's in my wife's account and her, her, her registered account, um, retirement account. So, but I was looking at the moves. I mean, these are pretty good moves in like a month and a half. I was down in that thing. And now I'm like 25% green in it. Like these are. Big moves. I don't know. Uh, it's, starting it to, it's starting to build up, though. I mean, I, I keep an eye on this 145 area. Um, I really like this. I'd make this a, almost a five star here moving forward. If you're looking for this move to continue, we were hanging out at 145. I believe this was before earnings, right? You had the big drop. You've never come near it. You came back and you filled the gap. And now you got uh, another three highs in that area. So if you've been riding this uh, Amazon to the upside, uh, 145, get a, but just keep an eye on that today. We're trading up a buck, a buck 31. I think another thing today, I mean, it looks like we're going to have a little rally here off the open, right? So mm-hmm. we'll see, you know, how close we get to yesterday's high. And right now, uh, for something like um, Amazon, I mean, this is going to have to have a three buck run to get up to that yesterday's high but uh really keep eye 145 if you're looking for uh you know to get above it continuation uh move higher long it takes to take out 145 maybe we roll over and head south Pablo right, been, let's go to pablo he's been very patient he's asked multiple times all right just trying to wrap this up and get towards our uh kind of wrap up here but let's go ahead we'll go really quick i want to go pablo because he's asked the pharma stocks and it was such an interesting day for them yesterday they really got hit we know gsk sny hammered they did bounce off the low they did abby johnson johnson pfizer he's asking about all those the problem is none of these stocks are cheap now either so i mean pfizer's always been but relative to itself it's you know johnson johnson never really been a cheap stock i think it's trades in the 20s you know um, last time I looked at it, it's. I think if you got J and J down like another ten points from here, in the one fifty eight area, I think it'd be a. I think it's a good long term buy down the one fifty eight. These are stocks that work kind of in all environments to a certain extent. If we're going into rah rah expansion mode, then obviously they get left in the dust because they're lower betas. But if you go into recession, these some stocks, you know, they're not necessarily recession proof, but they do better. So they they've come off the highs. Um, but again, you're like. You know, you're breaking some trends here. They're not looking as healthy as they were. I sold some of my Abbey long-term position at 150 ahead of the print. Um, it's 142 here now. It's still cheap. Like, Abbey's actually a cheap one, but I don't know. Like, could these eventually see 120 again? Could some of these things pull back? They've had pretty good moves. So I I think I don't want to be early here. I, I, I'd like to get bullish some of these pharma stocks because I'm a contrarian in, in myself as well, as at least as an investor. 
but I don't want to be early. So I think I'm going to let this dust settle a little bit more. They're not. They're not in vogue right now. These stocks. Yeah, they're are not definitely in not in vogue. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah, I mean, at least at this point, you know where the market is. It's still, and I mean, even you know, I think today, I know you've had some pull, but you had some pullbacks yesterday. But it's still, it's still risk on, you know, and in a risk on environment, these stocks are. Are, are not in favor. So I mean, if you're taking a stab on these things, thinking it was just overdone on a lawsuit that may or may not happen, right? You can lean, you can lean on the lows from yesterday uh, for that, like that Johnson and Johnson, boy, that came right down to, I, I, I did take out the June low. Um, you can hang it at 167, but below 167, uh, I know Dennis mentioned that support under 160, but uh, it better get away from this 167 in a hurry or else I think he got another leg lower there for Johnson and Johnson. Go ahead, Mitch. All right. Quick levels here just for the overall market. What should we watch, Joel? Anything you got for us? I'm not I'm not falling for the taking out the pre-market high trick today. Um, okay. if we, yeah, I, I mean, cause I, I, since we're so far from that high from yesterday, I think people are going to like to be, you know, like, okay, I'll sell a little bit here. Yeah. It isn't yesterday's high, but I'll sell here. Um, on the downside, we've had about, um, a 30 point move. So, uh, mid range on the session, it's just a soft number, you know, 4222, 42.23, uh, very, very minor support. But I think it'll be a good day overall, you know, make a new closing high for the move. Not necessarily take out the high from yesterday, but close above uh, that double, the double close area uh, right at 42.10. All right, Joel, what is coming up later today? And then we'll talk, of course, about the introduction to swing trading. Okay. What do you got? Yeah, for? just um, I put the link in there again. You know, I we haven't talked to Gene in a while, and he's very busy in the morning. Uh, and so I talked to him about doing something in the afternoon. And I just thought this is kind of like a weird earnings season. You know, I mean, expectations were low. Uh, so I thought some stocks were rewarded for not great numbers. The ones that didn't have the great numbers, they kind of bought the dip on. So I just want to get his overall assessment. And then we're going to skip Q3 and Q4 because I'm not sure how bullish he is like Dennis going to the end of the year. But like two, he's already looking forward to 2023. So we're going to put on the binoculars. Come at 2.30. Uh, I put the link in there. I'll tweet it out again. And uh, you know what? Everyone have a good day. And we'll, we'll, see, we'll check with you later on. Thanks a lot, Mitch. Great job. What time is the Gene interview? 2.30. 2.30. 30. Don't miss 2:30. it, guys. Check that on out. Gene Munster, one of the best, especially when it comes to tech. So you don't want to miss that. Joel Elkanen with Gene Munster at 2.30. Now, one thing I will let you guys know about, of course, is the intro to swing trading event that will be coming just, what, next week, guys. Don't miss it. Six days from now, introduction to swing trading with pre-market preps. It's going to be hosted by Spencer Israel. I know a lot of people in the chat were talking about him early on in the day. You want to come see him again? Come on over to the introduction to swing trading. Of course, you'll get Dennis Dick, Joel Elkanen, Rob Friesen, they're going to have a lot to talk about. There's some great stuff they'll be getting into. They'll be getting into a crash course on technicals, swinging relationships, and, of course, seasonality and quantitative approach with Rob Friesen. I don't want to miss that because I myself love that kind of talk. So definitely check it on out. Dennis, you have a great day. Have a, a great weekend. Enjoy. You too, Mitch. Always great job this week, too. Mitch, us. give Mitch some thumbs up here, man. He's rocking this. You know, he's just getting in his zone here now. It's a smooth show. Mitch is rocking. And, and people don't realize, Mitch was behind the scene the whole time 
you know, that I mean, we've done this show for years. Mitch has been behind the scenes, you know, trying to coach, trying to help us watch in the chat, you know, and, and obviously, you know, helping us, you know, from so many other perspectives as well. So give him a thumbs up here, man. Mitch is, uh, Mitch is killing it. Appreciate you, Dennis. Have a great one. Go kill it yeah. like you always do and do what you do best. Have which a great is weekend. Trade. Do it, Dennis. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get on out of here. I will play the swing trading trailer here in just a short second. Like always, we do got some great shows today. We are going to be getting into next live trading action. So come on over. I've been hot. I don't want to ruin the green streak. Still keeping it going from yesterday. Three for three yesterday. Let's see what we can work up today. Let's see what we can do. Like always, check out the introduction to swing trading. I will let you guys know I won't be having stock market movers today, normally at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, but we will get towards at the close at 3.30 with Joel Conan. Now, up next, you guys got live trading. Check out the swing trading trailer, and then I'll see you guys over also at Benzinga Live. That's going to be coming at 11. Are you tired of being sucked into momentum stocks just as the momentum turns the other way? Do you not have a big enough account or tired of the complexity for options trading? Well, join Free Market Prep's introduction to swing trading. This is going to get me fired up. Learn event-driven trading, seasonality, sympathy trading, and you can stay on top with optimal hedging strategies. So welcome back, Spencer Israel from the Market Hiatus and learn along with Tim as he holds his trading and investing skills. August 18th, 12 p.m. Eastern to 3 p.m. Eastern. You think you learn a lot every day listening to pre-market prep? Learn how to become an investor that can survive the swings, ups, and downs in this volatile environment. What's up, Patrick? You got to get that. I got to get that mustache going here. I got to do the, the little spin here. I've been working on it. What do you guys think? You think I can get there? Let me know. Come on over to live trading. We'll have some fun. See you guys on over. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.